The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie. My co-host, Zim, was unable to make it, so I'm flying solo today. But we're here to talk about week one. And one thing that I wanted to do is definitely do a preview of the Bengals and Chargers. Now, I know that you guys know that we pretty much have the Bengals insight, but I really wanted to get the Chargers insight. So I had the pleasure of speaking with a Sports Illustrated writer by the name of Fernando Ramirez. So thankfully, Fernando was able to stop by and we were able to talk things Bengals versus Chargers. So I hope you enjoy this and take a listen. All right, welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hooday. Zim, say what's up. What's up, world? How y'all doing? Been a long time since we last met ya. Here we are, once again, on the brink of Sunday, week one, Bengals, Chargers. What say you, Ace? What's on your mind? Tell the people. For me, I think that this is a game that I've kind of started to get excited about, especially with things trending towards Joe Burrow starting, being named a captain. Um, All things seem to be lining up in our favor. So I'm honestly kind of upset that we have to wait until 4 o'clock on Sunday and that we're not going to be there right at kickoff. Um, But I'm excited. It's it's real interesting to see how things are going to go this weekend. It's been a while since I think we did a live show where uh, I think the last time me and you did a live one together, um, I think I was out somewhere or something. So it was a little bit different. This is the first time I think we've been live, like in our studio recording area. So a couple of people asked me, like, hey, how come you and Ace ain't doing it or whatever? We just got a crazy schedule. The world is crazy. So we are back here, people. I wanted to ask Ace to while we were on the subject of, of the game this Sunday is what did you think about the depth chart that just recently dropped? Um, you know, it was a couple of days ago now where we're recording this on Wednesday evening. You had any thoughts? I personally thought it was interesting because the Bengals have never, and you know how Twitter is. It's like the wild, wild West. Whenever you tweet something, apparently people have to challenge you on everything. Uh, but for me, 
the thing that stuck out to me is, and I've been looking at the Bengals depth charts for years now, the thing that stuck out to me was that they came out with the nickel formation. So I've never seen them actually list a depth chart where they show who the nickel corner is. Uh, I've never seen them list one where they only have two linebacking spots. So for me, that was very interesting and intriguing. Or, or what's going on there with that. But it was interesting to see that they ended up doing that. So I don't know if that's a new thing, if that's a media thing, if that's you know what Zach wanted to put out there. Because when you look at different sites like Pro Football Focus and stuff like that, they have different formations and different depth charts. But it seemed like they just did the nickel one, whereas in the past we've seen them go with a 4-3-1. Um, so for me, it kind of threw me off because I'm like, what exactly are they – are they, is there a purpose behind this? Like, obviously they ran the nickel the majority of last year. They ran the 52. They threw some three, four looks last year, but it seems to me, and this is just me going off of the vibes that I've gotten from Zach Taylor and from Lou Anarumu and from some of the players that we've interviewed on the channel is it seems like they're hiding something and there may be some new wrinkles in the defense and there may be some new wrinkles in the system. And when I say that, some people are like, oh, we played a 3-4 last year. I know that. Uh, but there's different wrinkles and different things that you can do where you can make something look like what you were doing last season and switch it up, and then that really throws off the offense. I mean, NFL teams do that all the time. So I personally looked at it as, okay, hmm, that's pretty interesting. We've never done that before. What were your thoughts on it? I, I agree with a lot of the things that you said. If you think about when Zach Taylor came here, He's coming from a system where the offense is always taught to show you the same look. Um, it's kind of like a pitcher with a with a, with a pitch. You're, you're going to hide the pitch until it's actually let out your hand. So that's the theme with the defense. I think if you look at how the Rams' offense is set up and everything, everything is strategically set up to look the exact same way. Whether it's play action coming out of the same exact formation or a handoff toss, whatever, it's supposed to look the exact same. I think they. Uh, kind of took that same philosophy because they got so many working bodies of people when they originally started the team and they had so many people that were 4-3. Then they had your boy uh, in the 3-4, the, the dude from Texas A&M from the linebackers part. Then they had all these different people. So I think they just said, you know what, we're just going to do a hybrid version of all these things. So then you get Sean Williams that is like a rover linebacker and all these different intricate parts going around. So moving forward to this year, I think they probably had some bigger plans with some more interchangeable pieces with Josh Tupau up front because of him being a five, a true five sack. I think they're probably a little bit more limited than what I think they probably wanted to. But in and, and, and this kind of goes in hand with what I was going to ask you next is you pointed out to me Khalid Kareem. When Khalid Kareem was uh, drafted, that was the one guy I was just like, I don't see how he would make the roster or whatever. But if you look at the depth chart, He's like next up. Right. And I think one of the things that I'm looking at, yeah, they put in a nickel, but I think they, they just did that one for a strategic standpoint. But then two, there's going to be so many different looks that I think they are really going to give people where they are. They aren't going to be lined up the exact same too. In that right. same breath where I'm saying they're going to be showing you the same thing. And and the and the reason why I know that is because they didn't have to keep six linebackers, right? And, and then they're showing you the nickel because nine times out of ten last year that's what they were in anyway. But right. the fact that they kept all those linebackers, 
they got some plans, and you got you got to think about what Akeem Davis Gaither's role was in college. It, right. It's a position that doesn't even exist in the NFL. Right. So just because he's listed as a linebacker on there, I mean, you might see him coming off the edge, just lined up. Like when 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 we go to play Lamar Jackson, I anticipate him shadowing Lamar. I anticipate a lot of different crazy things like that. But I guess going back to the the main question I was asking you. Is there anybody from a depth uh, chart perspective, like specifically a player? I know John Ross, a lot of people hit me, and I have my own feelings on why John Ross would be the number two wide receiver. But a lot of people are like almost shocked DM me and saying, whoa, I thought Higgins would. They drafted him in the second round. Like that's one that stood it. Yeah, see, like to me, I got a lot of feedback on that. Were, were there any other ones that you uh, – oh, I mean, that was a – John Ross to me wasn't wasn't too surprising just because um, if you've been following T Higgins, he really hasn't been playing. He's been right. somewhat um, hurt himself and having some health issues. So uh, I do I do wonder about the chemistry because Burrow kind of talked about uh, him getting his his chemistry down with Ross. So I don't know if that was a red flag or just something to throw the other teams off that may be listening. Um, that's maybe one thing that I'm worried about. I mean, I'm pretty sure we know that he's going to have chemistry with Tyler Boyd and AJ Green is AJ Green. That didn't shock me though. Seeing John Ross there, um, anything that really shocked me. One thing that I I wouldn't say shocked, but one thing that stood out to me that spoke volumes is the fact that Billy Price isn't even listed as a backup at any of the guard positions. He's only listed as a backup for the center position, and that's a position that Trey Hopkins really has on lock. Um, a dingy, I think that, that means that a dingy, like you said, outperformed him. Shaq Calhoun, I'm kind of... Yeah, and, and look, and not, I, I don't want to cut you off because you were in a good uh, zone right there, but isn't it a very, very telling sign that Shaq Calhoun, a guy that they just picked up off of waivers, is going ahead of Billy Price at the guard position? Yeah, that's, that's very telling right there. I, I don't know... Uh, what that means, <laughs> and then you look after him. You got Fred Johnson. Fred Johnson is man in three positions before they even put Billy Price there. That that speaks volumes. I'm gonna Left just tackle, say, right on, tackle, I'm, I'm, right I'm guard. Tell you, listen, listen. You say you don't know what it means. I'm gonna tell you what it means that people not saying all this time that they say about John Ross. Billy Price is a bus, yeah. the biggest bus. But the, the the narrative from fans is John Ross is the bus. Yeah, I think um, if you're going to call someone a bust on this team, I think you're right. It's definitely Billy Price. Like, John Ross gave us 200 receiving yards in one game. Like, when has Billy Price ever had an amazing game or, you know, some some pancakes or anything? And you could argue that both of them have been hurt. They've both had injury issues. A lot of them um, had their seasons end with injury issues. But John Ross, to me, has at least shown you that – He's not a total bust. Like when you look back at the first three weeks of last season, that's evidence enough to say, okay, John Ross can play. We can't say that about Billy Price. Like you can't, I mean, obviously he's an offensive lineman, so it's hard for people to see them unless you're watching the trenches while the game is on. But literally like Billy Price never sticks out on your screen in a good way. And, and, you know, it's nothing against Billy Price. I understand, you know, he may be watching this. There may be some Ohio State fans watching it, but if you want us to change the tune on or you want to just shed that bust, um, you know, label, you have to come out and you have to play. And, and this coaching staff, I don't know if it's that 
the scheme doesn't fit because he was a guy that was drafted by the previous regime. I don't know what it is. I just know that he has not, in my opinion, lived up to the hype. And I don't think anybody really has seen him really live up to, to the hype. Whereas with John Ross, we at least get. Uh, so moving on to to the defensive can, can side I, of the ball. Can Go I ahead. say one more? Can I say one more thing? Because I do read a couple of compliments. I, I, this really, really bothers me. Is somebody going to have to comment or tell me on Twitter like, what am I missing? Right? Has right. you as you just ran through the stuff about John Ross? John Ross has a season with eight touchdowns. Got through most of the season. Was injured his first entire season and everything like that. Right? <laughs> Billy Price has never beat out anybody. Billy Price has only had consecutive starts. Maybe two or three times ever, right. like two, like ever. He was a first round draft pick, right? Right. How come the narrative for John Ross is that he's a bust when every time he's healthy, he actually produces somewhat, right? It's not at an excellent level. To me, if you're going to draft a, a wide receiver in the first round and they're just in the league like six, eight years and actually play. They're not a bust to me. Like, if they just have any – it could be marginal success because the right. average NFL player just doesn't make it that long. Look at look at all the wide receivers that got drafted in that draft. Look at the Tyler Boyd draft. Like, look at the wide receivers like Treadwell and all these guys headed out the league, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it that in the comments I'm looking at it? Billy Price put on muscle and uh, Price was hurt the first season. Nobody gives Ross that benefit of the doubt, but when it's Billy Price, and somebody told me one time before they was like, to, oh, to me is to me Ohio is, State thing. I don't think yeah, it's that. It's, a, it's, it's an Ohio State thing. It's an Ohio State so. thing. I don't think, being I somebody, this dude. This dude right here, is he an Ohio State fan? Who being, is being somebody that, that's from Ohio and, and from Cincinnati and how hard they go for Ohio State players, it's an Ohio State thing. He's a bust. Because, I mean, taking it away from Billy up. Price, Taking it away from Billy Price and just going to AJ Hawk. Remember when we signed AJ Hawk? He was complete garbage. But there were people that were upset that we got rid of AJ Hawk or would not just be realistic about AJ Hawk because there's that Ohio State bias. And I think that I've seen it, and I can't say it for everyone, but there are people that I definitively know are Ohio State fans that have given Billy Price, you know, excuses, my cousin included. I remember I used to go in on Billy Price early. Like I'm talking rookie I, I, year. I, I hated the pick. I'm talking I, rookie year, and you know they were like, "Oh, you're just being too hard on them." And I'm like, "No, nah, I don't have. I'm a Bengals fan first. You know, I, I like Ohio State, but they, I'd be like lying if I told you that I follow them as much as I follow the Bengals. And so it doesn't matter what college you came from. If you get here and you're not up to par, whether you play at the college that I cheer for or not, you're just not good. I mean, it, there's no way around it. So. I think, like you said, with Billy Price, there's definitely some bias towards him. I think with John Ross, I feel I like know. they just pick. I think they pick certain players, like, and I, I think it's the, the whole, fact that John Ross was a top ten pick too. I think that, I think that, that that's, that's a what big it was. point. But Billy Price was still a first round draft pick. Like, if your first round draft pick cannot get on a depth chart, somebody incorrectly just now in the chat said he's the number four wide receiver. No, 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 sir. He is listed as the number two wide receiver. And we just told you every single time that he's been in, and when Marvin Lewis wasn't benching him like an idiot, any time that he's ever, like, produced or done anything, like, lined up, teams are scared to death of him. And the only people that don't get it are are, are uneducated or, like, miseducated Bengals fans. Like, it's not, dude, it's not if, just if, if you go fans, ask another fan, if, 
But look, look, if you it's go other ask, fans that don't like right, Rock but, too. But look, but look, but the other fans, but the other fans is a is a lazy narrative. The the dude that right. I run that Steelers fan that Steelers face with, all them Steelers dudes love Ross coming out. They love him now, right? They're scared to death of Ross because it's the one thing, it's the one thing that you can't coach. Like when they had what's the kid? Uh, they had Marcus Wheaton and they had the other dude. All them dudes that was fast in the bank, they would always get past us like one time with the Steelers, right? Like in each game. Steelers fans understand that, like when I talk to them. And most of them consider him a bust, but it's a lazy narrative that the media is perpetuated in the sense of, oh, he's always hurt, right? But if you play fantasy football or you done anything like last year, like like the beginning of last year, the first four weeks of the NFL season, Ross led in every category. Right. So like he could never be a bust to me. If you're injured, that doesn't make you a bust. The only right. people that got to wake up and understand, like, how important he is to the team are Bengals fans. Like, when they right. see him actually play and have a coach that lines him up, like, y'all never even seen A.J. Green on the other side and Ross on the other side for y'all to even think that he's a bust. Ross will never be a number one wide receiver. Ross may never be a number two. But if he's the third option on your team, he's going to be in this league for a long time. You cannot coach that type of speed, and I get it. If he gets hurt all the time, cool. The amount of drop passes that y'all want to highlight, yeah, he's dropped some, but I'll take the boom over the bus with him every single time. He might give me one drop, but what did he do in that same game? He came back and caught the damn ball all the way in the Seattle game. Was that the Seattle game? Caught the 60-yard bomb right before halftime, right after the drop. If he's coached correctly and they don't bench him, and they use him like a real franchise, he will eat. There is no difference between him and Tyreek Hill skill-wise for me, like coming out of the league. Now, his progression or anything like that, maybe not not, not be where it's at. And I guess maybe right. this is, it just, like, hits me the wrong way because people always say that he's a bust. But I'm like, listen, I, I, listen, this guy yeah. right here, Billy Price, that's a bust because when he's healthy, he can't do anything. I, I think I think what what really makes people and I'm just gonna play devil's advocate here because I think John Ross is gonna have a solid season. I think what really makes people view him as that is the top ten pick. Now we can we can say Billy Price is is a first rounder, right? But there's a different there's a different set of expectations that are set up when you're a top ten pick, and then you couple that with the fact you said Tyreek Hill. Look at where Tyreek Hill is compared to John Ross. Like, it's, Behind, it's not but, in there. But, but there's if only John one Tyreek Ross, Hill you're going to get every 10 years, though. To, you, to you me, if to, John Ross to, was a second-round pick, if he was a second-round pick, I don't think anybody's talking about him. But you also – this is the other thing you got to uh, think about. You pick John Ross over Patrick Mahomes, Marshawn yeah, Lattimore, and Deshaun Watson. People got to get over that. Nine other teams, eight other teams didn't pick Patrick Mahomes either. Like, people got to get over that whole, I mean, I'm but sorry, 11 teams. Like, like, right you, you can't look at, like. Would you say Corey Davis is a bust? I think people would say Corey, Corey Davis Davis, Corey Davis is a bust. You know what I'm saying? But listen, listen, he might, I agree on a lot of different points. He can't stay healthy right. because of his frame. I see him trying to get bigger and everything like that. He may never, ever work out. But I tell you this, Bengals fan, if John Ross is healthy, and he plays in the NFL, he's going to play in the NFL for another 10 years because speed stays in the league. Like, guys like Deshaun Jackson stay mm-hmm. in the league. So while people are saying, like, he's a bust, like, no, he's only begun. And when he goes to another – and when he goes to another – and when he goes to another team – He's going to take people, off. 
All these people that's off. talking, all, all, put him in a situation like imagine him on a Chiefs or a team that has like a bunch of wide receivers and they don't need him. There's no pressure on him, and they only and he catches sixty balls a year and he's getting like eight hundred yards consistently. He can do that for the next eight ten years in his sleep. But people just don't understand that concept, and they look at the top ten, and like you said, look at all those other different things around it, which aren't important because I ain't crying over no spilled milk. Number nine picks on the draft board. We picked the guy. I liked him. He had the speed, and I stand by it. If he, if everybody was healthy around him, AJ Green, Boy, everybody at the same time, I think everybody will really, really see the benefit of Ross. But we don't have that. And we got to go by what we see. So I'm on everybody's side in, in that standpoint that he can't stay healthy. But if you couldn't pick, I mean, compare, there's, there's you can't a, compare him to Tyreek Hill. Like Tyreek really Hill is a, a unicorn. There's really a similar narrative between him and Mike Williams because Mike Williams, ironically, has struggled to stay healthy as well. And he's had seasons where he's had, you know, up and down production similar to Ross. And I, I just think that is – I think people are looking at the top 10 pick. I think if he was picked at 21 or something like that, I don't think people would would um, be on him. But he's he's not a bust by any means. Like, Billy Price is way worse off than, than John Ross. And if you don't think that, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think, like, if Ross has a season where he's able to stay healthy, I think that this is going to be a big season for him. And then you also have to take into account the fact, like Zim has said, the situation that he came into was not a good one. Not trying to make excuses for him, but Marvin Lewis, as um, well, I don't know if I can let that go on the show, but a player close to us that knows about the situation said Marvin Lewis did not want John Ross. He didn't want him there. Number two, it was a bad parent with him and Andy Dalton. You know, now that Andy's gone, we can finally say it. Andy Dalton, not the strongest arm. John Ross, super fast. Not a good mix to put them two together. If he's underthrowing AJ Green, what do you think he's going to do to John Ross? Um, so you got that situation now. He's got a better quarterback in Joe Burrow. He's got a better coach in Zach Taylor that obviously learned how to utilize his services last year and will continue this year. And we're confident in that happening. Uh, but, you know, I, although John Ross might ball out this year, obviously, I think we all know the writing is on the wall that next season he could be gone. Another guy that could also be gone is William Jackson III. We can talk about that as well with Jalen Ramsey getting a $21 million the market for cornerbacks is going to change and obviously the Bengals have already paid Trey Waynes so even if William Jackson balls out is this going to be a team that's going to retain him Zen what are your opinions on that matter absolutely if he balls out they're going to pay him he, he's not going to get the Jalen Ramsey money but he's going to get some good money because you got other guys like Hayward uh, there, there's a lot of corners out there but I think from a Bengals perspective we understand his potential, and we understand what he could be. If he hit the free agency class, just like Byron Jones just did, he probably would be leading that 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 class. I would have to see what other corners he's up against. But he, in my mind, now now everything changes, you know, next season or whatever. So the value of what Jalen Ramsey got twenty one, right? Per yep, twenty one, twenty one per year. That's not guaranteed. <laughs> I think it's fourteen million a year guaranteed. And so for me, William Jackson, for me, William Jackson will never be Jalen Ramsey in my mind. William Jackson is really, really, really good. And he's really a good number one corner. But Jalen Ramsey and guys like Sherman into the world and stuff like that, they're just a different tier. William mm -hmm. Jackson 
could be at the high, at, at a very, very high level, crack the top 50 in the NFL, but it'll never get to like a Jalen Ramsey consecutive lockdown mm. every single year in the league. Like that's not him, not to me. So I, I don't right. think that I would, you would pay him that way. And either way, I will put out a bet right now. This is my hot tape. The, the 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 draft pick coming up this year is in the first round is a corner, no matter what. Right, right. No yeah, matter I think, what, I think is I think it's definitely going to be a corner. I think the the bad thing about the Trey Wayne's deal is that they spent so much at the position, and historically, when they've had two corners, they generally outside of uh, Pac Man Jones, which is a unique situation because he was older, you know, wasn't going to cost as much. But I'm talking about the situations when they had Leon Hall, Jonathan Joseph, when they've had those two corners there, they've always tended to pay one and let one walk. So I wonder what they're going to do with this, especially like if A.J. Green balls out. Obviously, they want to retain him. I'm not sure what that spells for William Jackson III. I personally am a William Jackson III fan, but some of the statements early on that we've kind of heard from the coaching staff in terms of talking him, talking about him being more consistent – and, and things like that have made me feel like they're somewhat down on him. But I would love to see them retain him, but I think that it's all based on how he plays this season. If he goes out and plays as a shutdown corner and some other team is willing to pay him, let's just say, $18 million a year that wants to jump out of the window because they feel like they're a piece away but they need to overpay to get him, I think in that situation the Bengals won't match and they'll let him walk. You're on mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I gotcha. agree. Gotcha. For sure. I mean, going into that, while we're still talking, you know, semi-depth chart and stuff, uh, when I was looking at the depth chart, a lot of people uh, were surprised at Darius Phillips uh, being a starting corner, right? I, I guess I have a, a – I wouldn't call it a cynical look on, on, on certain players, but I look at body frames and body types and based on what I've seen in the NFL. Somebody like a John Ross, in my mind, will never play 16 games in an NFL season. It, these guys are just big, strong, whatever, and everybody gets hurt. If you guys don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter, please make sure you do. Ace Boogie is New Stripe City on Twitter, Instagram. Um, mine is Zim underscore Hootie on Instagram. But when I post on Instagram, I show stories because a lot of fans talk about injuries. And, oh, my God, we got another person hurt. Trey Winslow. I'm showing people Von Miller's of the world, all these different people going out for the whole entire year. Injuries happen, and there's very few players that actually make it through 16 games in a season, but most fans don't really look at that part of it. The one thing that does concern me about the cornerback position, which makes me know that they're, they value the cornerback position very, very highly from the old regime to the new regime, is that you can go get your first-round corner next year and put the pressure and put the leverage on your side. Darius Phillips, although I believe in him, I don't believe in his health. Like all the good games that he had, the coming off that Buffalo game, the good punt returns and all these, all those games where he had a heavy influence on the game, he always came out of those games hurt. So I, I don't look at him as a bust because he got hurt. But um, yeah, I guess the expectations aren't there either. But he's a very good corner. But if I'm thinking long term, just the way his body frame is now in the way that he is uh, matched up to some of the other corners in our room, I just don't see him playing a full 16. And that right there is a little scary to me because 
the backup, mm-hmm. like that room starts to get really, really thin after that. No, I tend to agree with you. I think one thing that we have to kind of pump the brakes on is that Darius Phillips is just going to be a stud. There's definitely going to be a learning curve, and you got to think about what we had last season. It's Now, don't take this the wrong way. I'm just saying I see a lot of people jumping on the Darius Phillips hype train, and it it really honestly is similar to William Jackson III, except he didn't play anywhere as near as much as William Jackson III did in 2017. And William Jackson III had a super elite, 2017 similar to what Darius Phillips had but you have to remember that was a very small sample size so as optimistic as I am on Darius Phillips there's some concerns like Zim has raised with his health you know he did get hurt several times last season but you can't just go based off of that I know we look at the PFF scores and we're like oh my god he was so amazing but look at William Jackson the third from two years ago and then look at the two seasons after that like it's going to hit different if you're expecting that, you know, Keenan Allen isn't going to do anything against Darius Phillips. Do not go into the game thinking that just keep an open mind with that. And, and with that being said, we got to transition to this game. Keys to the keys to the to the game for you in terms of this Chargers game. How are you feeling about it? Do you feel like this is a winnable game? What are the matchups that you're looking at? What are your thoughts on the game? Zone? From a roster standpoint, I think our roster matches up pretty well. I feel like this is deja vu of every game that we ran into last year. We will always talk about the the roster. We, we're looking at the the past, like the things that most people highlight, like from the Chargers, will be Melvin Ingram and Bosa. When you pull up the PFF from Dunlap, Hubbard, and all these guys combined, they're very, very like they're they're not that much better. So there's a lot of different things that I look at where I just look on paper that. I feel like we match up very, very well to them. Now, Bengals come into this as a three-point underdog. Everybody that knows me, including yourself, knows that I am far from a homer when it comes to predictions or anything like that. But I feel in my heart of hearts, brand-new starting quarterback with Tyrod Taylor, who is really more so a game manager. If you remember him in Buffalo, like I do or whatever, he doesn't – the same criticisms that I always had for Andy Dalton – are the same criticisms that I have for Tyrod. It's moving the chains on third down. If you ain't going to be no hero, you, everybody can't be Russell Wilson. He's not going to move the – pay attention to third down with him. He, he'd rather throw it away than go make that play. And for that, we could go the whole season. You could pull up the whole thing right now. You ain't got to ask me who, what are the matchups on any of these games coming up. I'm going to say, I'm going to look on, on, the, on the sheet and I'm going to say, who got the better quarterback? And we got the better quarterback this Sunday. Period. So that's a dub. And I'm going to do that every week. I'm going to do that every week. It doesn't matter. Like, people tell me about the Chase Young comment. It doesn't matter if you have Chase Young, if you ain't got a quarterback that can go get it. And we got right. one. And I ain't saying Joe Burrow, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not in the top 10 quarterbacks or whatever, but he's better than Tyrod Taylor. And knowing what I know with Derwin James being out, who is the bread and butter, the backbone of their defense, that's a big, big blow for them. They don't; they're without Mike Williams, or he's hobbled. We're pretty healthy, but we can go. I'm, after I get your predictions on the game, whatever I want to talk about the before we close out the show is the health report on Geno Atkins in the game um, that just came across earlier today. Uh, I would probably have to agree with you. I think looking at this game, Derwin James being out, 
uh, Mike Williams. It's still a game time decision. He did participate in individual drills today for the Chargers. So it it is a possibility that we could see him. But when you talk about Tyrod Taylor, literally is like an Andy Dalton clone. Um, solid quarterback, could start in this league. Not a guy that's going to win you the game, though. Uh, but unlike Andy Dalton, he will try to like not turn the ball over. So that's that's one thing that I'm looking to see is can we force a turnover against him? Uh, obviously, the the guy of this game is Joey Bosa. You know, one of the top players in the NFL, um, not underrated, not overrated. Like he's just a beast. And with him being possibly on Bobby Hart, that honestly terrifies me. Um, I don't want him getting shots in against against. Uh, Joe Burrow, if he could just walk away from this game with one sack, I'm good with that. Let's not have him have a game where it's like one and a half to two sacks or something where he wrecks the game. But I think in all honesty, this is going to be a first game that they rely heavily on Joe Mixon. I think a lot of people are sleeping on that. I think that they're. I think we'll get a couple of passes from from AJ, but you have to also remember how strong the Chargers secondary is as well, even without. Uh, my man Derwin James. You talk about their new uh, signee over there with Chris Harris Jr., a guy that A.J. Green himself had in his top five a few years ago. You talk about Casey Hayward. You really look at the corners that they have, and that's going to be the matchup that I'm really looking at is our receivers versus their corners because we're four or five deep. You know, They're three deep, at least on the starting surface, so they have some really good corners there. But I think that the edge really goes to the Bengals because – Number one, Joe Burrow's playing in a game where he doesn't have to play in front of a crowd. Now, that that could be a bad thing, but I think it's going to be a good thing for him that allows him to get play calls in, get his feet wet, and able be able to kind of come in and, and do what he wants to do, right? Um, so I think Joe Burrow is definitely going to get things going, and I think that this offense is going to get things going, and I think that the defense is also going to play a, a vital role in this game uh, against the Chargers. So with that being said, I think the keys are – containing Kitten Allen and neutralizing Joey Bosa. Those will win you this game. You look at their best two players, they're those guys. So if you can do that, you can get out of here with a victory. Um, so with my prediction, sure. I'm just going to say a win. I'm not going to say a score. I'm just going to say the Bengals win. Uh, for, for me, I, I just want to throw one more point until we before we close this thing out. Somebody in the comments said, Joe Burrow's not better than Tyrod Telly hasn't taken a snap. Just knowing what I know, like, I can't even explain it. Like, he's just better than him already. If you've seen him at practice or anything like that, just from a decision standpoint, based on the years that I've seen Tyrod Taylor. So I just – I did want to say that. But the one thing that I, I want to encourage Bengals fans to look at this year, and I want y'all to watch it so much closely, there are going to be little instances. Like, if you guys go back and go look at the Jaguars game that we had last year, or there, or there are going to be little instances – where there is a game for the taking and we don't take it. There's going to be little is it's not going to be that many games that like say we lose and we de lose definitively to like the Ravens or somebody like that because we're just getting blown out of the water. I can see games like that for sure. But in a close a close game, teams that whoop our ass are teams that score a lot of points. Like period. If you go look at the Chiefs games, all of our blowouts are all game. And when we play like teams that are good teams that don't score a lot of points, like the Seahawks last year, we absolutely hang with them. So this is the one thing for Zach Taylor. This is where we find out where Zach Taylor is the whole entire year. From a game plan standpoint, there's going to be little games that Joe Burrow loses us. There's, there, there might not even be a game where you could definitively say, 
Joe Burrow was on a on a on a game winning drive and he threw an interception and we lost the game because of it. It's going to be throughout the course of the game. It's going to be a lot of coaching things that you're going to notice that we're going to be questioning throughout the game or we're either going to be applauding it. However, we get to the end of the game. That's just how it's going to be all year. I think the pressure is really going to be on Zach Taylor throughout the whole game. So from week one, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Because, like I said, those teams like the Chargers and stuff, those are teams that Bengals don't have problems with. Like, people outside that are in this chat that are, you know, like Ravens fans and a couple other people that don't follow us, we don't lose big time. Like, we don't lose by a lot of points to teams that don't score, like, a shitload of points. Like, period. Like, that never happens. In the eight games that we had that were within one score last year, those are all games that I would say Joe Burrow would probably win. And if he didn't win all of them, he'd probably get six out of eight of those just on the strength of, from a game management standpoint, just making the smart decision and moving the chains on third downs, period, and not giving the ball right back to the opposition at key points in the game. That's not going to happen this year. So the focus is really going to be on Zach Taylor. And that's the main thing I'm going to be looking at, like week one through week four. I'm going to know and I'm going to smell it. We're going to come on here and we're going to be talking about different decisions that he's made. The last point that I wanted to say before we close this bad boy out is Geno Atkins, Dunlap, and Daniel showing up on the injury report today on a Wednesday before a football game is not good. That does not happen. They were out there dressed and everything like that, but normally your older players, you know, they get rest or whatever. Do you have any thoughts on that, Ace? Talk to me on Friday. If they don't practice Friday, then, oh, then I'm with it. I, I don't really care about Wednesday. If Somebody, you play fantasy football, you know about Wednesday. And unless it's Thursday or Friday. If we get to Friday and they're not practicing, then nah, they're not going to play. But I I think it's capped like like Darnian is saying, too. I mean, what what reason would you have Geno Atkins practice for right now? So, that he can, so, so he can actually get acclimated like to playing football right before I mean, the game? He's, he's been playing football. Or they've been playing football for the past four weeks. So, I mean, you're still hitting the same people. You're still going against the same people. I mean, to, to me, I think that is just smart to do because let's say, for instance, Gino has a shoulder injury. You throw him out there and he gets an AC, a AC joint sprain or something like that. What's what's the purpose? Like, I'd rather that happen in the game than in practice, where at least we get some snaps out of Geno and versus him just being out of there. So, to me, I'm not worried about it until, like I said, Thursday or Friday. Friday, he doesn't practice, then I'll start worrying. But I think right now, uh, one thing that I think Zach has shown, at least from the limited practices that we've seen, that he's not afraid to just let somebody sit out because I think he's kind of shell shocked based off of last year with Jonah going down, AJ going down. That's just my thought on it. I can't I can't say I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but I think that he's just if it were me and I was in that situation, Gino's getting a little older. He kind of regressed off of last year. You know, that's why we're bringing in all these players to put around him. I just wouldn't wouldn't make him practice until maybe Thursday or Friday. Yeah, I'm with you too. I, oh, I, all right. How about this? I'm just I post the injury report every week, Wednesday through Friday, or whatever. On right. Wednesday, like on Wednesday. If your name is still on there for even last year, right? That's that's a real injury. Usually, no, no, I, I definitely like think it's, it's, it's a real, a real like it's a real injury. Now, how serious right. is like you're saying? Like, there's very few weeks that I don't know. I ain't even going. 
Well, like you said, let's see. Right. Yeah. If it if it is like you said, an injury issue, then, then obviously we're we're probably in trouble there. And it does seem like you know they did kind of hit the panic button and sign two defensive tackles immediately. But I'm just not gonna sweat it until we get that. Now, if we get there and he's not he's not a hundred percent, well, not a hundred percent, but if he's not ready to go, if it's not a limited practice, if it's not a full practice or something like that, then I'm I'm gonna be worried. But even even with that, it's hard to say that I'll be worried because. I don't know, like, Mike Daniels was on that report too, right? Like, yeah. I don't see them going into this game without Geno and Mike Daniels. Like, one or the two of them will have to play. And if worst comes to worst, if they play, then I think we'll still be we'll still be fine. I think they both they all play. It's just for us, for for a pessimistic Bengals fan that's always used to injury, and it's right. been so positive lately. I'm just going by like I post this every week for the last Four years, like right. Wednesday. But is but somebody, think about is somebody, is somebody still on there is not rest. Like think about a this. Injury. Do you who do you think has a better chance of playing, Mike Williams or Geno Atkins? I would say Geno Atkins because Mike I think Williams just hurt play. himself. I think they're all gonna play. Yeah, yeah. Mike Williams just hurt himself a couple weeks ago as well. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. Like you said, it is it definitely is something to take notice of for sure. Uh, but we'll have to see. I think with if this was Marvin Lewis, like we know what Marvin Lewis is gonna do. I can't predict what Zach is gonna do from year to year. Like it might be something that he changed up, but nah, I definitely hear where you're coming from. Like on a Wednesday, we never see stuff like this. But if nah, we had Bill Belichick, we probably would. Like each coach is different. Yeah. I don't know. So that's something to monitor, people. Keep on checking that out. Uh Ace, you got any closing thoughts uh for this week coming up or anything just in general? Let's just go get this dub. Let's go Let's get, go get this that. Dub. Let's get this dub. Who they? Who they? Follow all, hey, follow all of our shows on the um on our on on this podcast net on this podcast network. <laughs> Matt Minnick with Chalk Talk, Sissy Jungle. Just look it up in the podcast store or Spotify. Please make sure you follow them. Leave us a good review on there. Mention me and Ace. That really, really helps us out a lot. Like, mention us. Give us a five-star review. Even if you think that the podcast sucks ass, just do it because it's just a cool thing to do. Supporting your local who they dealing. Right. And, de- and definitely be sure to stop by Zim's um, live this Sunday. He'll be live around 4. So pull up at his Instagram, at Zim underscore who they. And Y'all you ever want to hear a psycho commentate on a football game? It's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to shut up this week. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try to shut up. Unless I see something stupid. But I'm going to just shut up. Y'all just want to watch the game. Y'all want to have, like, a, a whole bunch of people just comment that it's just like you and me that like talking bangles and stuff. A couple ops coming in. We could talk trash to them them people, too. That's all good. Come in there. Zim underscore who they on Instagram. It's really, really fun. I'll probably start up around, like, 4 o'clock, 4.15, so I could talk whatever I'm going to say before the game. Once the game is on, showtime. Who they? All right. Who they? <laughs>